Well, just before we jump into uh, the comments that I really believe God has given me uh, for us to reflect on and to learn from today, I want to make just a couple of announcements. Uh, First of all, most of you, I'm sure, will have read our email as of yesterday and heard that uh, Reverend Joyce DeGuer Vanderspeck has uh, really felt led that now is the time for her to wind down ministry at IPC and, and step away. I know a lot of us will be really saddened to hear that, and and that's a normal thing. Uh, But let's also be really thankful for the incredible contributions that Joyce has made over a lot of years uh, to building the kingdom of God, to building into people's lives, and uh, to blessing us. We'll definitely be taking time uh, with Joyce in the future to thank her and uh, just to really celebrate her ministry that uh, has been so blessed among us here. Uh, The other announcement I want to make is to uh, let everyone know next Sunday we're going to be having communion together. We realized in the fall when we're together it's less uh, safe to do communion and uh, thus we didn't uh, do it even when we thought we might be able to. But less safe uh, when we're together than when we're listening from home. So if you can prepare the bread and the cup and be ready to receive communion uh, in next week's service that would be fantastic. Uh, let me just pray, and then we'll jump into uh, to the sermon today. Gracious God, we're thankful for your presence and your word. Lord, the work of your spirit in our lives and uh, the hope that we have because of all of that. Come now, Lord, we pray, and even though we're meeting in different places, uh, we're in our homes uh, and, and maybe even otherwise, God, come by your spirit and bring the words of scripture to life for us. And allow us to know that we have met with God and that you have spoken. Uh, Lord, bring change and bring hope and bring encouragement. Bring challenge, Lord. Do the ministry that uh, you feel is necessary in each of our lives. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was sitting at the dining room table uh, mid-December after supper in my home uh, with some of my family. It was a Saturday, Saturday evening. And a thought came to my mind and I said, you know, in the midst of all the nonsense that COVID has brought into our lives, could we not at least watch a hockey game on a Saturday night? I mean, is there anything more Canadian than watching uh, hockey night in Canada? Uh, Me watching my Leafs, other people watching their favorite teams. Uh, And could could we not just have that blessing in the midst of COVID? Well, we've had a bit of a reprieve lately. The Raptors are now playing again. I love watching the Raptors. Uh, We've had the World Junior Hockey Tournament uh, where we saw a lot of great hockey. Hard way to lose in the final to the Americans, but uh, it was a lot of fun. And as some of you might know, the NHL season begins this coming uh, Wednesday the 13th. And hopefully I'll be able to watch my Leafs again. Through it all, I was just beginning to reflect on, on how big a deal uh, a professional sports team is. Think of the Leafs and the huge amount of effort it takes to put a team together. You know, uh, scouting happens all over the world for the Leafs. I don't know whether you realize, but the first round draft pick uh, last year for the Leafs was a, a Russian player, a young guy called Asimov. Played for the Russians in the, in the World Juniors. He was a great hockey player. But there, there are scouts all over the world watching to find the great talent. And then, of course, there's the draft itself and all the wheeling and dealing that goes on as all the GMs and their staff come together. And then there's getting the right coach and finding the right system for the players and practicing together, the travel. And then there's the business side of things, you know, signing the right players to the right amount of money, all of them, of course, wanting as, as much as they can get. There's the idea of merchandising, there's the ticket sales, there's the TV revenues. I mean, it's this massive undertaking to put a team together to to make it function well. 
Uh, and what's the purpose of all of this? What's the end goal of forming a team like the Leafs or otherwise? Well, it, it's to win. It's to win the Stanley Cup, to have the best team that you can possibly have that you might end up the champions. Essentially, that's the primary purpose behind all the effort. And if you would, it's the raison d'etre of, of, of a hockey club, the reason for being for a team. Well, as we begin another year, I want to take a little time uh, for us together this morning to think about the raison d'etre of IPC. What's the reason for the existence of our church? Here's a definition that uh, I have come across for raison d'etre. Excuse my poor pronunciation of French. But it's this. It's the, the purpose or reason, um, if, if you would, uh, for... Sorry, I'm sorry. It is the most important reason or purpose for someone or something's existence. It's, it's the most important reason or purpose for the existence of something, like a hockey club or like a church. Uh, and, and, you know, like a hockey team, we do a lot of things. I mean, we're a busy, active congregation. There's a huge amount of effort that goes into normally putting IPC together and making it function well. Last fall, we had what we called the Unity Prayer Walk. And we put this booklet together in order to uh, enable that. What we did on a given Saturday night was set up about 12 stations. I think it was maybe 13 stations around our, our building. And we invited people to come and we sent them out in groups of three or four and they went from station to station to station to pray for the various ministries of our church. We're committed to prayer at IPC and, and no, really that's where the power of God comes from as we do ministry and the Spirit of God works as a result. But we worked through this booklet and we were given the various ministries of the church in order to pray uh, for them. And there's a lot that goes on. You know, there's worship. There's uh, the, the care, pastoral care that's provided. There's the prayer team. There's the healing care ministry. And I'm just reading through this list. The, there are the youth groups, junior and senior. The, there's the young adult uh, group. Uh, there is children's ministry. There's the downtown ministry that we have in Woodstock on Tuesday and Sunday nights. There's the Rock Carrot Social Enterprise. Obviously works and operates downtown as well. All of our life groups, there the, there's the Oasis group, older adults still in service. There's sisterhood morning and evening. There's impact men's group. Uh, there's the session and all the work the session does to give leadership to the church. And then the finance committee, the policy committee, the property committee, and the mission committee. Out of the mission committee, all our work that we do in Nicaragua, all the missionaries that we support, it just goes on and on. Uh, there's the worship service with, as I've said already, but the, the Sunday morning teaching is identified here as there is just so much that we do. And as I worked my way around 13 stations, I, as I was getting close to the end of it, maybe at station 11 or 12, I, I literally found myself surprised. I said, like, we do a lot as a church because in each of these areas there were specific prayer items uh, that we could pray for as part of each of these uh, areas of ministry. And, and, you know, the question has to be posed, why do we do what we do? Why do we put such energy and, and resources and time and prayer into the operation of this church? What is our raison d'etre? What is, what is that purpose or that reason for which we exist? Well, a few years ago now, our elders uh, went to God. We studied scripture, we prayed and listened uh, to the Spirit of God speaking into our lives and guiding us. And we formed what we have called our mission statement. And I, I hope you're pretty familiar with what that is, but it is this. We exist to introduce people to Jesus, deepen our faith, and participate in God's life-transforming story as we serve others at home and around the world. 
our raison d'etre. There it is. We've, we, we've, we wanted to capture it in a, in a sentence. We wanted to highlight the critical pieces of that puzzle. And I want to take some time as we essentially move into this new year and talk about the various elements of that mission statement. I hope to refocus our attention on it as a church. I hope to inspire you to involvement and to engagement so that we can really accomplish the things that God has called us to do, uh, to, 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 to fulfill the purpose for which we exist. So number one, we exist to introduce people to Jesus. I've told you previously that I've been uh, spending my devotional time personally in the Gospel of John, taking time uh, with a chapter or a paragraph, sometimes for many days, just to dwell on it, to invite God's Spirit to reveal truth to me from it, to apply those truths to my life, my life, and it's been an incredible encouragement. Well, in John chapter 1, there's a great um, section of that, that uh, chapter which contains people introducing others to Jesus. And I'd like to read it to you and, and to see what uh, truths we can, we can pull from it. So John chapter 1, verse 35 and following. says this, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. That's John the Baptist. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, asked What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, come and see said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite of whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You know, in this, this passage, the, these repeated introductions flow from the lives of people who have come to know Jesus. They have come to that place of being so impressed by Christ and, and, and their interaction with him that they naturally and relatively quickly go to others. And, and they say to them, you've got to meet this man. You've got to meet this one that I have in, in, engaged with. They were eager. They were passionate to make those introductions because Jesus had become really significant to them. They had found something in this man that was, was really worthy and they wanted others to know. And the other thing that we see here is, and I've never really thought of it before or, or given it much thought, but they introduced people to Jesus whom they loved. Um, brother to brother. A person to friend. You see, because they loved these people, they were eager to say, come and see what I found. Come and see. See what this incredible person is all about. See what I have come to know. And I think for us to really engage this as a church, we're probably going to be in a very similar boat as those disciples were in. 
We've got to come to a place, first of all, in our own lives where we have so met Jesus that we become really enthused about him. We come to that place where we're just sort of excited by who he is, you know, uh, impressed with him. You know, if we don't get to that place in our own relationship with Jesus, it's highly unlikely we're going to want to introduce him to anybody. We won't have the desire. We won't have the passion. But if we come to that place where we are just excited to know Christ and, and are just enthused, as I've said, and we'll, we'll be motivated. We'll want other people to come to know Jesus. It's probably the beginning of the journey. So one of the questions I might ask this morning is, how's your relationship with, with Christ? You know, how are you doing with him? Are you excited by him? Are, are you enthused in your relationship with him? Have you so encountered Jesus that you're, you're, you know, you're passionate to the point of wanting others to know? That's going to be the motivation that all of us will need in order to move forward in this. And then secondly, maybe most importantly, are there people in your life whom you love, whom you want to introduce to Jesus? Who are those people? Are they family? Are they friends? You see, when we really love people, we're going to want them to know Jesus, aren't we? And we're going to have that motivation in our hearts to reach out to them and just simply say, come and see what I have found in Christ. Let me introduce you to somebody really incredible who's changed my life and who can change your life too. So as I speak right now, um, can you listen for the voice of the Spirit of God to whisper into your mind and into your heart the name of an individual whom you love that you might be able to introduce to Christ? As I continue to speak, will you continue listening? Will you hear? And uh, maybe at the end of this time, have a pretty clear conviction about who it is the Lord might be leading you to share Jesus with, to introduce Jesus to. Because, you know, when they meet Jesus, they too will become pretty impressed, just as, for example, Nathaniel and Peter did. This is our reason for being. This is why we're here. There are raison d'etre that we might be the introducers of people to Jesus, that we might get to that place of enthusiasm and want others to have the relationship that we have found. Well, our second element in the statement is that we are to deepen our faith. Now, what this means essentially is that we are here as a church so that people can grow up spiritually to become mature believers and followers of Jesus. Let me read Colossians chapter 1. Verse 28 to you. It's a great verse. Uh, I actually love this verse. It says this. um, He, speaking of Jesus and Paul is writing, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. This was Paul's goal. It was his heart. It was his desire for the people of this Colossian church. Um that they would become mature in the end, that they would grow up as believers uh, in faith. One definition for maturity is, is, is to have reached an end, to, to become complete in character, for example, to have fully grown. You know, we're all somewhere in this process of maturing. You know, we enter into the faith, And we grow and we grow and we grow and hopefully we end up mature believers and followers of Christ. We're all somewhere in the journey. One of the realities is that the Apostle Paul and others referenced new believers as babes in Christ, infants in the faith. Um, People who are sincere believers but who need what he called the milk of the word, you know, the basics, if you would, the simple realities of the faith. 
But, you know, in Hebrews, uh, the writer of the Hebrews went, went from this reality with a challenge. In Hebrews 6, verse 1, uh, it, it is written, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. You know, move forward from the simple, basic, foundational, incredibly important faith that we start the faith with, but go deeper. Go beyond the elementary teachings to so much more. Dig in. And then Ephesians. Ephesians chapter um, 4, verse 11 and following. Uh, great teaching that Paul brings to, to that church via this letter, this, this teaching. It says this, So Christ himself gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, there it is again, mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning, the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. There were false teachers of the day. Instead, speak the truth in love as we grow uh, to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is, the Christ, that is Christ. The mature among us, the mature body. You see, the, the, the goal here is to become mature adults, no longer infants in the faith, living out faithfully everything that we're called to as we follow Jesus. This happens, I think, in a couple of ways. Uh, it, it happens, number one, as we grow in our knowledge of God. Uh, this maturing cannot happen without that knowledge of God. We have to deepen our understanding. We have to move beyond the elementary teachings uh, to more advanced teaching, if you want to put it that way. Um, we listen. We're taught by, and they're listed here, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. This is what the church is for, isn't it? That the teaching can happen. This is why we pour so much energy into worship and, and preaching and, and, and so much else. That people might grow in their knowledge of God. And then secondly, we have to grow in our experience of God. And this is relatively new for me. Maybe 10 years or so in my life, I, I've come to the knowledge that, or to the understanding that knowledge isn't enough. Uh, you can have your mind filled with biblical knowledge, even deeper knowledge, but if it hasn't transformed your life, well, you haven't gotten to where God wants you to get. You can actually be a very immature Christian with a ton of knowledge. So we have to grow in our experience of God. You know, it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 to 19, this, for example, and I pray, this is Paul speaking again, this is the prayer of his heart. You know, this is, this is the desire for the people of this church and he loves these people and he, he, he cares for them. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he, the Lord, may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Note that. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's maturity. Filled to the fullness of the measure of God. My friends, this is such a critical thing. What Paul is saying is that he wants people to grow in their knowledge of how high, wide and long and high and deep is God's love for them. 
How do you learn? How do you know in your inner being that God loves you? How do you get to that place? How do you know in your inner being that anybody loves you? Well, I would suggest to you, you live in a relationship with that person and you begin to see that love in action. You begin to see how deep and how profound it is. You begin to see that person act in ways that communicate a knowledge of that love that is greater than it had been previously. Put it this way. You know, we start in faith. We are immature Christians. You know, we're baby Christians. We're infants in faith. We do believe in God's love because somebody's told us that. Um, We do believe in our need for salvation. We do believe in our need for forgiveness and, and we believe in Christ's work on the cross for us. This is the entry into faith. You know, you enter into that initial relationship with God through Jesus because of that faith. But is this knowledge of God's immense love in your inner being already? No, it can't be. It's not really possible at that point. We have to learn to, to, to grow in it and understanding of it by living life with Christ. We come to that place where we have him work in our lives and we, we begin to see it. We begin to trust in what he has said in his word. We begin to to live life in obedience to what he calls us to do. And we begin to see how God gives us life that is remarkable and beautiful and good. And we stand back and go, wow, this God really does love me. You know, think about all the things that the, the scripture calls us to and what it is that we can come to understand. Both as knowledge and then through experience. Well, think the 23rd psalm the lord is my shepherd he, he leads us in paths of righteousness he he takes us through those dark valleys uh, and he's with us protecting us and, and guiding us and comforting us well you know you live your life in relationship with christ long enough all of a sudden you begin to realize the lord really is guiding my life he really is leading me proverbs chapter 3 acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your paths straight you know you look back and you go wow This God is at work and he's blessing my life. And you begin to realize how much God loves you. And then, you know, the psalm goes on that uh, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing that I lack. As we begin to see the Lord providing for us time after time after time, God being good to us, God giving us what we need, whether it be kind of physical, you know, financial uh, needs met or spiritual, emotional needs met. You see God at work in your life and you realize this God knows me, this God's with me, this God is at work and he's blessing me. And a little more of your heart opens up to the reality of that love and, and you begin to know it more deeply and more profoundly. This is the case with, with all of scripture and all of life that we do with him. You know, the reality that, that the, 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 we have relationships that we're engaged with, dating relationships or marriage. And previously, we might have done them our own way and might have hit the rocky patches and seen that this just doesn't work very well. But in faith, we come to that place where we start to invite Christ in and we apply the principles of Scripture to our dating relationship in a way that we maybe didn't before. Or we apply the teaching of Scripture Uh, about submitting to one another in love in our marriage relationships. And all of a sudden, the nature of our relationships changes. And we find ourselves in this incredibly blessed place. And our relationships are deeper and better than we could ever have dreamed of because we're following the, the leading of the Lord. We're living in obedience to his word. And in that place, we recognize God has spoken. And he has blessed me with his knowledge. And he has led me by his spirit. And he is at work. And look what I have found. My goodness, that God must love me. This one might sound odd to you, but it was very significant in my maturing, uh, and that is about tithing. I I started tithing when I was a teenager. 
I'm not even sure why, but I did because I, I saw it in Scripture. And, and you know, you, you tithe, and, and it seems counterintuitive or even counterproductive because the more you give away, you know, you think the less you would have. But, you know, as you, as you really embrace the principles of Scripture, you give to God faithfully and substantially, and all of a sudden you find blessing and abundance flowing toward you in all kinds of ways. And you stand back and you go, man, I'm being loved. I have been led in the right way and God's being good to me. And you know he's there and he, you know he's loving you. And you know you are deeply loved. Um, you see, in this relationship with Jesus, initially you learn to believe in the cross and all that means for you is so critically important. But as you grow in faith, you dig into his word. That's the deepening in the knowledge of God. And you come to that place where you live in greater obedience and you find yourself deeply blessed by the living God. I want to read to you, actually from the New Living Translation, I want to read to you uh, John 10.10. Again, I'm going through John and I think it's kind of neat that that I'm able to give reference to it in my preaching. But John 10.10 says this in the New Living Translation. The thief's purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. My purpose is, Jesus speaking, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I love that. A rich and a satisfying life. Did you hear that? That's what the Lord's all about. (laughs) That's what he wants for you. That's what he gives to us when we grow in our faith and we allow the word of God to transform our hearts and our minds, our lives. We end up with a rich and satisfying life, an incredibly good life. And we know that we're loved by God. You see, my friends, this, this is what we're called to, you know, to move beyond the element, elementary teachings of the faith, to deepen in our knowledge and our experience of God. And we come to that place where we're just, we're just convinced deep in our heart that we are loved by God and we're changed. We're made new as we become more and more like Jesus. You know, this year, how will you grow up more in your faith? Again, all of us are on this, in this process of maturity. Some of us are at the front end. We're more like the babes in Christ, the infants. Some of us have lived longer, and it takes time. And we're more mature in, in Christ, more Christ-like in our, the attitudes of our hearts and, 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 and our thinking and our lifestyle and our, in our living. But wherever we are at, myself included, we can take a step this year. And I want to ask you in all seriousness, how are you going to grow up in your faith in your spiritual life this year? How are you going to mature more? Well, study scripture. Grow in the knowledge of God. You know, I hope that's happening right now as I'm preaching to you and I'm teaching you from scripture. But so much more can happen. We have life groups, some happening and and some not because of COVID, but great places to dig into scripture. There's great books in our library. There's great stuff online to learn. Make it a point to study the Bible, will you? Will you take a step in that, in that way this year? Have this devotional life with Jesus as well, where you just sit with his word and you pray, Lord, by your spirit, open my eyes to see the truths that are in this text that I'm reading, and then help me to apply them to my life. Help me to know what it means. Uh, speak by your spirit so that I know what you're wanting me to do today in the here and the now, whether it be in obedience, whether, whether it be in, 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 in changing how we function as a husband or a wife or a child, how we're functioning at work, how we're engaging at church. It's whatever God wishes to speak into your life. He will speak as we live in Scripture. There is so much that we can, we can do as we grow in our knowledge of God and we experience the reality of the Spirit of God at work in us. We will be changed.
Now let, me, let me just say this. We will not be, grow beyond our next step of obedience. I want you to hear that. Maybe people listening to me today and you know what it is God's calling you to do in terms of trusting him, in terms of stepping forward in obedience to him. Could it be now or this year that you take that to heart, hopefully sooner than later, when you say, listen, Lord, I know what you're calling me to and I've struggled with obedience, but I'm going to take that step of obedience. I want to tell you, you take that step of obedience, you're taking a step of faith, you're trusting God through his word, you will grow in your faith, you will move toward greater maturity, and you will start to experience, and I guarantee this, that life that is rich and satisfying that Jesus calls you to. We're afraid to do it sometimes. But Jesus saying, trust me and see what I have for you. Let me love you. Because all of this instruction that's in Scripture, all of this that I call you to, it comes from a heart of love. And I know what it's going to produce in your life in the end. Trust me. Let's move forward together. My friends, we're here to introduce people to Jesus. We're here to grow up in our faith and mature. That's why we exist. Let me take the third point maybe a little more briefly, and that is very simply that we have to participate in this life-transforming story as we serve others at home and around the world. Uh, Our third raison d'etre, if you want to put it that way. Um, This in itself is an aspect of maturity. It really is. Infant children, I want you to think about this, human babies are all about their own needs and being served. You know, they're hungry, they cry, they're demanding food, and so they should because they're infants. And they need to be served. They need to be nurtured and and to begin to grow. But they don't stay there. They move forward. And and as, as, as people grow into spiritual maturity, as they become adult, if you would, they become like Jesus. They are transformed by the knowledge of the word of God and the power of the spirit of God engaging them in that word and changing them. And they become like Jesus. You know, in uh, Mark chapter 10, I love this, I love this verse too. I love so much of scripture and I hope you do as well. But 1045, Jesus says this, for the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That is a powerful statement by Jesus. It is a life-transforming statement when we take it seriously and we try to apply it to our lives. Let me put it to you this way. Jesus didn't want to be served. It really wasn't his heart's desire. It wasn't something that he aspired to. He didn't want people serving him. What he wanted was to be able to serve other people. He came to serve even to the point of laying down his life so that we, you and me, that we might be blessed. See, the Son of God gave his life away to meet our need. Dwell on that for for a moment. He gave his life away to meet our need. He served us in his death. Um... And I want you to hear something that I'm going to say to you because it's so significant. Jesus did that because he loved you and he loved me. He he, he sacrificed himself so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be brought into a relationship with God, so that we could move forward in faith and maturity and experience that rich, satisfying life that he longed that we might know. 
that life that uh, is more than we could dream of. It's the way the, the message version says it. I want to challenge you in this. How are you going to transition this year? It's a great time to rethink things, isn't it? But how are you going to transition this year from being served to being the one who serves? You know, what is it that's going to enable you, if you would, out of love, to see others in need and step forward and act for them? You know, sometimes that's a physical need. I was just um, uh, amazed and thrilled that, that this Christmas day at our downtown ministry, we served over 200 people a, a Christmas meal. People who were in need. People who struggled. People who needed someone to bless them that way. And what Joyce told me, our, our, our Pastor Joyce, who headed that initiative, um, she said, we had more volunteers that I could, than I could use, I could use on that day. My friends, that's just an amazing thing. More people were willing to take time on Christmas Day to go down and to love those people by serving them a meal than we had positions available to use them. Why? Because <laughs> out of love, they saw people who, who really needed the love of God. They needed a meal. They needed cared for. And those people stepped up and said, let me serve. Let me serve. Sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's emotional or, or mental need. Those needs are very real and we can love people and walk alongside them and care for them, support them, engage them in life. Sometimes, and I suppose this is the most, deepest and, uh, most deep and the most foundational need that people have, it's a spiritual need, the need for people to come into a relationship with God, that they might grow in faith, that they might be transformed and brought to that place of great blessing. So the question I have for you in this third category of our raison d'etre is how can you give up your life in order to love people this year? How can you transition away from wanting to people to serve you and having your needs met and making that priority saying, hey, I, I, I love and I care deeply for and I see need and I'm going to move toward engagement so that I can become more of a servant just like Jesus. How can I lay down my life to serve and to love? I just want to make a final point, and, uh, or two, I suppose, but I want you to notice something about each of these three elements of our mission statement that I've described to you today. I want you to notice that really each of them is about what's going on in our hearts. What's going on in your heart? As a participant in IPC, or even someone who's tuning in regularly, and I know lots of people are doing that now, but is there an eagerness in your heart to introduce somebody that you love to Jesus? Is that motivation there? Is that excitement there? That, 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 that feeling, I've got to run to somebody and I've got to let them know that I've met someone who, who has amazed me and who is um, uh, impressive and, 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 and who is just worthy of getting to know and, said, and say, come, come and, and meet him. I want to introduce you to somebody. Is it there? This desire to grow up spiritually? Is there a bit of a passion to grow in your knowledge of God and grow in your experience of God? You know, anybody really want to know more about this God and, and what it means to follow him? But maybe more pointedly, anybody really want to experience God to a far greater degree than you ever have before? See him show up and actively communicate his presence and his power to you in life? Anybody passionate about that? And then lastly, anybody listening to me who 
has a deep love in their hearts for other people so much so that you want to serve them? Is that love there in your heart? And does that willingness grow out of it? See, I hope and I pray that the answer to each of these questions is yes. That that's, that's exactly where your heart is at because, and here's how, where I want to go in the end, when each of us, when we as a church community, when we get to that place in our relationship with Jesus, eager to introduce people, passionate about more knowledge and experience of God, love flowing through our hearts into the lives of other people as we serve them, then the kingdom of God will come in power. And I want to tell you in the end of the day, my friends, that's our ultimate raison d'etre. <laughs> that's our reason for being. We are here so that we might participate in this mission that God is actively involved in, right? This life-transforming story. God is at work, and he calls us to participate in these three ways. Why? So that the kingdom might come. So that people might enter into a relationship with Jesus. So that people might grow deep in their faith. Transformed by the truth and the, and, and the spirit of God. So that people might then see their lives transitioned so that we become people who serve others out of love. That's how the world changed. That's how we can keep pressing out into the world. Blessing other people in Jesus' name. Seeing this world made new. My friends, that's why we're here. And I hope you're as excited about that possibility for 2021 as much as I am and as much as I know many people in this congregation are. Will you think about it? Will you pray about it? Will you look into your heart? Will you take steps in each of these areas? Say, Lord, now I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to grow in you. I'm ready to do new things. I'm ready to take that step that you're calling me to. Also, that your purpose for this church of which I am a part might become a reality in 2021. Let's pray. Gracious God, uh, we recognize this as your church. It's not ours. It belongs to no one. It's, it's the church of Christ. He died and rose again to establish it. He, God, you've sent your Holy Spirit to fill us that we might be the people you call us to be. You've given us a purpose, a reason for existence. Um, and Lord, as our elders have formed this mission statement, we believe with all of our heart that you're speaking to us and you will continue to over years. This is why we're here. And I pray, Lord, this year that many people might step into introducing others to Christ in a way that may, they may never have before. Pray, Lord, that many people... <laughs> might grow deep in faith, deep in a knowledge of you, and much deeper in an experience of God. God, we pray that you'll provide that for many people. And God, we pray that that love for others would grow in our hearts so that we would stop looking to be served and prioritizing that and just give ourselves to serving others um, with the love of God. Lord, let your kingdom come. And not in a little way, Lord. Bring it this year in great measure. Um, by your spirit, by your truth, God work uh, so that the kingdom just grows exponentially this year as we fulfill the purpose for which you have formed this church. Speak to each person, Lord, I pray today who's listening to me at home, elsewhere. Allow them to grapple with these issues. Allow them to take new steps forward as we look to this year and look to you to do great things among us. And our God, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.